Dave Luthi did the intro to Mark, and it's it's a fast-paced gospel, okay? It's the shortest gospel. After just Mark 1, after just the first chapter, Jesus has already been baptized by John the Baptist, tested by Satan, called out his first disciples, driven out evil spirits, and healed many. In the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, Jesus is still a baby in the first few chapters. So Mark is super fast-paced, and there's this really strong focus on following Jesus. On discipleship and today we're going to be moving through mark 3 7 to 4 34 and there is like there's a lot to digest here's a list of what happens in those passages and look we don't have time to go through it all you know we don't have time to do all those stories we're just going to take a few little little bits out of it to really see what jesus is teaching us through this passage now at this stage jesus has attracted a big crowd now, my first question for you this morning is, do you like crowds? Who actually like crowds? Not many people really like crowds. They, you know, who, who likes going to Magic Round? We had Magic Round this weekend at, the, at Suncorp Stadium, going in there, cheering on their people. I'll show a photo of a crowd here as well, too. Some people love going to crowds. They love being at a music concert, you know, and just being there. And other people, I think like a lot of us uh, people here, perhaps go, oh, no, that's not for me. That is not me. And my wife is one of those people. She goes, I don't like the crowds. She loves people. She doesn't like it when there's thousands of them in her personal space is being encroached upon. She hates the crowds, you know. But there is this contrast made through these chapters between the crowds and the 12 disciples he has called. The crowds, they didn't really understand his teachings. They didn't really take them to heart. And then there were the disciples, the ones who became his true followers. And we're going to take a bit of a look at that. So let's get into this. Before I do, can I just pray again for us as we, as we look at these passages this morning? Yes, Lord. Lord, help us, help us to learn this morning about what it really means to be your disciple, just to open our hearts to how we can follow you, God, to learn about your ways, how your kingdom operates, to challenge our our cultural preconceived notions about the way things ought to be. Lord, how good it is to hear what you're doing through eagle's wings for all those hundreds of children that they can come and they can, they can learn about you. They can have an education. They can have life and freedom and hope, God. Help us just to, to understand your word this morning to, as we talk about being a true disciple of you. Amen. So let's get straight into it. Let's, let's, um, let's look at the first part of Mark 4, and it's the parable of the sower. And this passage, it's, it's quite amazing because Jesus is he's teaching, he's teaching what he's going to do while he's doing it. And that kind of reminds me of like a person on a cooking show. They're, kinda, they're cooking, but they're like explaining what they're doing at the same time. They're like, I'm going to go and saute these mushrooms at this heat and, because that's going to lock in flavor and... I'm not great at this analogy because I don't have much cooking vocabulary, okay? But I'm sure that it's kind of it's great because they explain what's going on and it makes a lot more sense that way. You get the context around what they're doing. And Jesus is saying, look, what I'm doing here, the way I'm discipling people, it's intentional. My method of discipleship is intentional. And this, these passages that we're going to read today, it's Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God. And I think the first thing before we read the passage is just to note well, what is the kingdom of God? What, what is that? And uh, it, means, it means kind of many things, but Tim Keller defines it as nothing less than the power of God in heaven 
entering the world to heal every, every, every alienation and every brokenness in every dimension of human life, whether it's social, emotional, racial, physical, psychological, or spiritual. It's a very comprehensive restoration of every area of life. And it's actually more than just the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins, that, that's an amazing thing. That's, that's huge. That's a massive thing in and of itself. But the kingdom is actually just is more comprehensive than just that. Okay, so let's read this passage. It says, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out, out, out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And he continues on later in the passage, explaining the meaning of the parable. He says, the farmer, the farmer sows the word, and some people, they're like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word that was sown in them. Others are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word at once and receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they, they fall away. They only last a short time. When, people, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And still others, like seeds sown among thorns, they hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And you can, you can analyze this passage a few different ways. You can look at it, you can go through the, the different types of soil in detail, and there's certainly merit in doing so. However, this morning, I, I, I don't want to do that this morning. This morning, I'd like to just pick out a few really important concepts that Jesus is teaching throughout this passage and this area of Mark 4 about the kingdom. And the first thing, something that stands out to me straight away is that Jesus, before and after this parable, he says, look, listen, listen. He says it in a few different ways. He says, listen at the start. He says this kind of slightly unusual words would say, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, I got ears, you got ears, you know. It's pretty obvious. He's saying, to understand my kingdom, you've got to listen. It's important stuff here. Pay attention. Have you ever felt like, you know, you weren't being listened to? You know, you're talking to somebody, and they're, they're talking to you, but you can kind of see they're, they're looking around the room. They're kind of, maybe they're looking for someone else that they want to talk to instead. They're not, you don't really feel like you're being, being listened to. And you know, we, we can tell that, can't we? We can tell when, whether, whether we're being listened to or not. And one, something that stood out to me, when I, when I graduated as an optometrist, I was 21 years old. I'd just done my four years at university, and I was out on my own. I did my first couple of days by myself. There's no supervisor anymore. It's just, just me what really stood out to me was that people were really listening to me. 
They were really, now it seems obvious, doesn't it? You know, of course, well, why wouldn't you listen to your optometrist? I'm, I'm not saying don't listen to your optometrist. Do listen to them. But I was like, wow, this person's really hanging on everything that I say, you know. They'd also say some other comments sometimes. When you're a 21-year-old optometrist and you look like you're 16 or 17, they also say things like, so are you fully qualified or... You look, you look very young to be an optometrist, and it's, it's understandable. It did make me grow a beard, and, uh, and make, it made me want to look older, but I want to say, be careful what you wish for, because nobody tells me that anymore. And that, I wouldn't mind if they said that now, you know? No one makes those comments anymore, but I felt I was really being listened to. And then my children came along, you know, and they taught me a different, something different. They taught me humility they, that I'm not always listened to. <laughs> Most of the time, they're pretty good, I have to say. Most of the time... They listen very well. They listen better than me most of the time, actually. But there's times where, like, I make, my, I make one of my kids breakfast. I, when I say make them breakfast, I mean pour cereal into a bowl and put milk in it and put it on the bench and say, look, your breakfast is ready. Come and eat it. And, and then I keep doing other stuff. We, we have pretty busy mornings. Cass is busy doing lots of things, getting the kids ready. So I've got to look busy, too, like I'm doing something as well. Or she'll, or she'll get me something to do. So I've got to look busy as well. So I put it on the bench and I walk off and do something else. And they come to me like 10, 15 minutes later sometimes. They're like, Dad, can you please get my breakfast? And I'm like, mate, I made it for you like ages, like 15 minutes ago. It's on the bench. They weren't listening. And I know I f they physically heard it. I was, you know, they, I physically said it loud enough into their ear that they, they, they heard what was saying, but they were distracted. They might have been playing with their siblings or watching TV or drawing or reading. To be honest, if it's a Saturday morning, it's much more likely to be TV than anything else, but they, they're distracted by something else. Now, and now they have to eat a, a, a semi-nutritious, soggy bowl of breakfast, you know, because they were distracted. And it makes me think, well, when am I distracted? When do I miss out on what God is trying to teach me because I'm just too busy with everything else? And we just, we just got to listen sometimes. To under, we understand the kingdom of God by listening. Jesus is looking for his disciples who really listen, not the crowds. They hear. They don't, they don't really try to understand. They're too distracted by everything else. And if the Son of God says, listen, then, then, then we better do so. And I feel that our, our culture, our culture, I feel, is kind of moving further away from listening. Do you, do you feel that? Everyone's getting a bit louder. It's getting a bit more polarized. People, sometimes people, they just don't want to listen to each other, really sit down and understand what that person's trying to say. And sometimes we've got to push back against that a little bit. It doesn't mean we have to agree with everything, but we've just got to listen sometimes, try to understand this from other perspectives. And I think it's wonderful. We do take the time to listen. We, you know, we, we have life groups. We have community here. We've got church. We, we take the time, and most society doesn't have that, that time to lay our hearts bare, listen to the wisdom, listen to God. And it makes a huge difference. The kingdom comes by listening, okay? That's the first point. We're doing three points. It's a Baptist sermon. You get three points. You just got to live with that, okay? And second point is, if you were going to build a kingdom... How would you do it? Jesus had, he had these crowds in front of him. He had these crowds in front of him. We don't know exactly how many, at least hundreds, probably thousands of people. They're following Jesus around. They've seen some of the spectacle, the healings, the driving out demons and the likes. Surely if you wanted to build a kingdom quickly, 
you'd get all these crowds on board. Then you'd have a great start. If you're building a worldly kingdom, that'd be the most logical thing to do. A kingdom, you've got thousands already involved. That's, that'd be great, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus calls to him just 12 disciples, just a small group compared to the crowds there. And why does he do that? Why does he do that? And he, well, he, he explains it in this passage. Jesus says, well, my kingdom, it's, it's different. I'm interested in the good soil, not the rocky soil, not the soil with the thorns. I want the good soil. I'm here for the true disciples. They're, what, they're, they're the ones that, that are going to grow my kingdom. He didn't even try to recruit the crowds to his mission. He wants the disciples who are going to be dedicated to the task. They're the ones that are going to produce this crop of 30, 60, 100 times. So he's looking for true disciples. And if we put ourselves as the true disciples in this passage, we need to remember that we're the soil. Basically, we're dirt. Good dirt, though. Good dirt, okay? Good dirt. It's not always going to be glamorous following Jesus. We have to be okay with that because it isn't about us. He's telling us it's about the kingdom of God growing. The soil, it's going to get trod on. It's going to lose its nutrients. It's going give to give to the plants to, to allow this amazing crop to form. It's not about us. And in our individualistic Western society, it can be hard to accept sometimes. You know? let, me, let me read to you a popular quote from Walt Disney and a very influential man. And he says, if you can dream it, you can do it. And look, he's made many films and influenced a lot of things. And films that I, I really love, mind you, I, I like a lot of those films. And look, ambition is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, you need to let go of your dreams and live the dreams of the kingdom. That's, gonna, that's what's going to bear an abundant crop. So this kingdom that's going to bear all this fruit, it's built, it's built on true disciples. Okay, that's, that's number two. Or number three is... We're going to read a bit more of the passage here to, 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 to flesh out our third point from this sermon. And that is the parable starts with this parable here. It's two short, sharp parables. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. These passages, they continue on this, this theme of the seed, this agrarian theme about, about grain and, and seeds and growing like the parable of the sower. And they, this, these parables, they're actually a huge encouragement because they give us assurance that the kingdom, it's going to grow immensely. Don't worry if it ever looks small. It's going to start out small. It's going to be the smallest seed, but it's going to become huge. And sometimes... Sometimes I, maybe you can feel a little bit frustrated when people don't understand the importance of Jesus. You know, when we say things about Jesus and the difference he's made in my life, and sometimes 
they don't really understand the significance of this. Now we, we see the power in it because we've seen the kingdom. We've seen the greatness and the huge forests and it forms. But when they look at it, when they look at it, at it, they might just be seeing the seed, you know? And to them, it just doesn't actually look that impressive from the outside. This little vulnerable, tiny seed, how could that really make a difference? How could it do anything at all? It's just tiny, you know? Well, it's just got to find the right soil. Then it's going to grow huge. And it should fill you with confidence because and peace because we don't need to worry. Even if some seed falls in the wrong place, which some will, it's going to happen. But the seed that falls in the right place, it's going to grow immensely. It's going to yield a huge crop. And we are called just to spread the seed, to grow the kingdom, even if you don't think you know exactly what you are doing. Look at these words here. He says in verse 27, Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. We don't need to have everything perfectly together. Even if you think, oh, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, Jesus says, spread the seed. Look, you won't always know if it's born fruit or not. Jesus said, spread anyway. You don't know if some of it's going to fall into the rocky soil. It's not going to be perfect, but just get working. Just do it. And I see what Laxon and Mary and Prisca have been doing at Eagle's Wings, what Laxon has started there. Amazing work. And they're scattering this seed. And look, a lot of times they'll, they'll know what happens. They'll know it's made a difference because they'll see it happening. And that's excellent. But sometimes they won't. Sometimes the seed's going to fall on, 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 on bad soil. And that's okay. Because the seed that falls on good soil, it's going to be huge. It's going to grow abundantly. And it has, hasn't it? There, there's more than 2.2 billion believers of Christ worldwide, spread all over the world. This little kingdom started from 12 disciples. And this, this, we've got a map here. It gives a bit of a glimpse as to how the kingdom is spread. And you can see the darker blue areas, you know, where, where there's higher percentages of Christian population. Gray areas is a little bit lower. It's grown hugely in Africa, hugely over the last past 100 years. And all of this just from a seed, just from those few disciples. Now this kingdom is larger than any kingdom in the history of the world ever. And we get, we get to celebrate that today too, don't we? With our international lunch, we're going to be celebrating that this kingdom, it reaches across barriers. It reaches across the cultural and economic divides between us. And it's spread. Look at it. It's spread everywhere. It's spread all over the world. And Jesus is teaching us about what his kingdom is about. And we want to take that to heart. His kingdom is good. We want to be part of it. How do we be part of it? Well, we need to listen, really listen. We, we want to be true disciples and be assured and be confident. The kingdom's going to grow. It already has. It will continue to do so. But we need to understand, look, it's not always, it's not always about us. It's about God's kingdom. And we want to work diligently because... We want the kingdom to grow, not, not, not ourselves. We want that seed to penetrate deeply into our lives, to grow and produce a wonderful crop. Just picture the, the beautiful landscape that's produced from the growth of crops and trees. I just see that picture of all the students there at Eagle's Wings, and it's like the kingdom, everyone experiences the life 
and the freedom and the hope found in Jesus. And it's a beautiful picture that Jesus paints as to what his kingdom is like. And we just want to listen and take that to heart. So I just invite you to do that this morning. We're going to come and sing a couple more songs and invite you to partake in lunch with us. But I just want to pray with us first. Pray with us as we take and drink deeply of these passages in our, in our lives. Ah, yes, Lord. Lord, you are um, you're so good, Father. Your kingdom is massive and you decide to, to, to bless us, God, with the, with, with the, with the ability to, to sow your kingdom, to be part of your kingdom, to be an integral part of it, to growing it everywhere, God. And we, we see what you're doing in, in Zambia, Lord, and we give you thanks for that, God. That you've, um, you've sown the seed, Lord. It's received good soil and it's growing. That is so good, so good to see, God. We just really pray as we, as we come this morning that we can listen to you, God, that we have time and space in our lives to really receive what you had for us, that we don't miss out on what you're trying to teach us, God, because we can, we can truly listen to you, God. Help us to be your true disciples, God, to be the ones that can, that, that can bear fruit, God, that can live your kingdom, God. And We need your help to do that, God. And above all, yeah, just, we just want to see your kingdom grow. We want to see it grow hugely, God, and, and it, it is, and we're confident of that. We're not worried about it. We're not, we're not nervous about it. We're confident that we're going to see your kingdom grow because you are good and you have done so much for us, God. So we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise this morning. Amen.